Warning, we're going to be discussing events for currently running weekly anime. If you want to avoid spoilers for certain shows, there are timestamps in the description. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Time Sync Anime Podcast, the show where everything's made up and nothing really matters. Nothing matters, because we're all going to die in the cold, <laughs> inevitable heat death of the universe anyways. Exactly. Thanks for, thanks for picking up where I was going with that. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? As per usual, I'm Jay, and this is... I am Rex, and we're talking about week 10 of winter 2019. Yep. We, I actually... I almost wanted to correct you there and say spring 2019, because yeah. we did our, um, uh, <laughs> we did our like, uh, spring 2019 uh, season preview uh, very recently, actually, which... Thanks to everybody who went and saw that, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to have to get used to saying spring... Soon. Yeah, I mean, we're getting used to uh, saying the year, which that was a big problem when we first started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, ugh, God. It's, it's a problem for, like, anything, whatever it is in a year, like, having to write down the date. Or, yeah, like, like, like any time when you were a kid in school, and then you'd have to, like, you'd be like, okay, it's the new year, 27, crap, no, it's 2016. And then you get all the people who think they're fucking hilarious when they're like, oh, I'll see you next year. When it's like New Year's Eve, it's like, ha ha, but I mean, back when you were a kid, you're like, I never heard that one before. That was <laughs> and so but, funny. But then when you're an adult, you're like, ha ha, shut up and uh, die. Go die. Yeah. yeah. Please die. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> go fuck yourself next year. <laughs> it's like, that's what I have to say to that. So for uh, week 10, winter 2019, you got a little bit of news. Uh, critical, well, it, it, this is kind of anime related. Uh, yeah. Critical Role. If you don't know who they are, they they are people who do like a D and D show every week. As they as they call themselves, a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors. Yeah, they are, they are anime voice actors, uh, and they they got funded for an animated special, which they they made a Kickstarter. Original goal was seven hundred fifty thousand, and it's at like six and a half million now. Yeah, I think. because <laughs> like didn't they reach like seven hundred fifty thousand in like less than twelve hours or it, something it was like, like less that? Less than an hour when they re- they reached their original goal. Yeah, and they just had to keep making stretch goals yeah. because like. People kept donating, and they and if you follow like Liam O'Brien and Matt Mercer and people like them on and all those guys on Twitter, like it's just a bunch of incomprehensible gibberish on some of them. Like they were not expecting people to yeah. deliver this much money to back the project. Yeah. So at this point, I think they have enough like enough stretch goals for like six episodes or something, something like that, which is going to be really cool to watch. And because if you've, I would highly recommend. Um, at least checking out Critical Role, because it's just really fun listening to very good voice actors play D&D. Yeah, exactly, and just, like, seeing how they, like, dedicate themselves to character. Matt Mercer is the DM for the, um, uh, for the group. He's a, uh, very, very good DM. Like, anybody who's watching, like, uh, the show or wants to be a DM, or, like, or any kind of, like, uh, tabletop person, yeah, just watch the show and take notes from him, because, good lord, like, that's the DM, that's the kind of DMing people aspire to. Exactly, yeah. Like, like I thought, I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at it, and I was like, it's like, uh, the fucking scene Wayne's World with, um, was it Dio? No, not Dio. Uh, uh no, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, and they're like, we're, we're not, not worthy! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, no, that's great. And then you have, uh, Travis Willingham, who does a lot of really cool work, and, uh, his wife, Laura Bailey, which, congrats to them, they actually, re- they have a child now. Yeah, and, uh, I think Laura Bailey's going back to Fruits Basket. Uh, yeah, she's voicing the Emma. She's in the English yeah. dub. She is voicing. I'm pretty sure the main girl in Fruits Basket. So, yeah. I didn't know if she did the original voice for. Yeah, her. yeah. She oh, did. she did. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, Very good for her. So uh, yeah, Critical Role gonna get a new animated thing. Uh, yeah, we we the next one we brought this up on our um, season preview. So just in case you haven't watched that yet, uh, One Punch Man season two is gonna air exclusively on Hulu next season. 
Yeah. Which is very obnoxious. Yeah, cue the cue the waves of disappointed fans everywhere. Uh, cue the waves of the people setting sails to their pirate seas. <laughs> we don't encourage piracy, but Yeah, I mean I definitely Yeah, I I can kind of understand why people would do that in in a way to boycott you know, I don't want to pay for all these different subscription services. Yeah. But also, at the same time, like, if you want to watch the series and it's on a, uh, like a, a service you don't want to use, like, either pay for it or don't use it. Mm-hmm. Or don't watch it, in my opinion. Like, you can boycott it by not watching it. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's... An, like, it's sort of like the whole Anime Strike debacle. Like, people just mm-hmm. didn't use Anime Strike because it's like, oh, we already have to use the um, Amazon Prime video and we have to do the $6 service on top of that. Screw that. We're not using it. Yeah. And when nobody used it, the Amazon kind of realized, okay, maybe we shouldn't do that <laughs> anymore. And, oh, hey, so decide with your wallets. Don't, exactly, yeah. like... And if it means, like, holding off on a series for, like, a couple weeks, then I would personally say, just don't watch it. And most of these times, you'll be able to watch it just a week later. Yeah, exactly. And these kind of things. That's all that I found for this week. Yeah, that's it for news. So, anyway, let's drop anchor and let's start talking about shows for this week. Starting with two episodes of Boogie Pop and Others. We have a brand new arc. Yeah, we're officially actually caught up this time. Yeah, we are <laughs> because, like we said in last week's podcast, we had uh, watched the we had watched the entirety of the Boogie Pop at Dawn arc. That was really cool. If you uh, still, then they didn't explain the whole like distorted world thing. Yeah, maybe well, that was a flash forward to the end of the series or something. Maybe it's a flash forward to the end of the series, but no, notice the keyword is like kind of. Well, actually, I said distorted world, and I'm pretty sure that actually isn't what Boogie Pop said. Because the main villain of this arc is the is the king of distortion. I don't know Ooh, if I'd use the scary term. name. I'd say antagonist. Yeah. I wouldn't use the term villain. Yeah, well, okay. At least so far, based off what we know about him. Because he's trapped all these people in uh, the moon temple, yeah. as he calls it. And so far, we haven't seen him hurt anybody. At least from my perspective, it seems like he's getting them to confront problems of their past. And try and get past these problems. I'm not entirely sure about that because as soon as uh, as soon as one of the plethora of many new characters that were introduced, <laughs> a couple characters were brought back, like Kami Toki. She is actually brought back, and I was actually wanting to see her again. Actually, it's like, oh, she's just like a really tiny class rep. She's adorable. But and then we also have. Uh, we have uh, Toka's boyfriend showing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey. Like, huh, that guy's back, finally. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember when he actually was in the series? The only other one that did make any sort of, like, impact on this episode was a guy named uh, Mabra. I forget his first name, but Mabra is basically Hacker Man. Yeah. <laughs> he is a, he's like a, a high school student and a genius hacker, apparently. I don't know how he managed to do this, but that's... Uh, I don't know. It's study. Just, probably probably personal study or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. The thing about him is, he had confronted the King of Distortion, kind of realizing, yeah, this is all a dream, pretty much. And then, immediately after that, the King of Distortion basically materialized a monster to come attack him. Sort of like turning his dream into a nightmare. And that kind oh, of... Ha- yeah, yeah. It kind of attacked him. Yeah, yeah it, had, it would certainly chased him and wanted to scare him. It, it and, might be because... He he's not going along with the with the illusion. Yeah, with the illusion. He's like, because the king of distortion uh, is thinking like, well, I want people to. He could be doing it for like good evil reasons, like 
I want them to do this. Sort of like do how the thing, what like I say, or I'm going to kill you. Sort of like what Gene was trying to do with the Imaginator. Powers. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like they see themselves as the good guy. Yeah. Exactly. By the way, so they brought up something very important about the uh, about the King of Distortion. At least who the potential idea for who they are supposed to be. Tarotsky. Does that name sound familiar to you? Aside from in the context of these episodes. No. Tarotsky was somebody that Scarecrow was investigating in like the previous. Tarotsky. I, I heard it was Tarotsky. Oh, is it? Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Tarotsky. It's, it's weird to pronounce it the way in Japanese in my head. Anyway, anyway, go on. So Scarecrow had actually been like uh, looking into him in like the previous in the episode he was a big part of. Like he noticed the weird thing about the uh, the hospital with Nagi. Like it's like, oh, there's this uh, this hospital that he funneled a bunch of money into. Doesn't make it's not too big of a deal. He's a philanthropist, but it's worth mm. investigating anyway. Was that guy? Yeah, it was that same guy. Ooh. And yeah, so, and they kind of delved a little bit more into that character. I wasn't expecting them to do this, but kind of seeing these plot lines sort of converge on each other. It's really cool to see. But I've said it before, it's like Bacchano in yeah. that sense. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a little hard to follow this episode, but not like in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this entire series has been a little hard to follow. One episode at a time. Yeah, I mean, and we managed to get through, like, uh, two episodes, because just for the sake of catching up, but yeah. uh, I imagine this will probably be the last arc of this series. It might be something that carries on into the next season. So I, was, uh, the, the most recent episode was 15, right? Yeah, 15, I'm, I think so. Uh, and it's going to be 15 out of... Uh, 18, if I remember correctly. Uh, 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 uh I'm remembering... <laughs> Uh, yeah, 18. Remember a little faster, would you? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, 18 episodes. So three more episodes and like two more or three, two or three more weeks. They might squeeze another two episodes in at the end. Yeah, or, they, they Or they'll could. go like a week into the next season, which is, happens a lot for shows. I don't know. But the interesting thing about this is just like all these new characters that are being added. As hard as it gets to follow sometimes, I think this is a pretty uh, good introduction. So, so I, I have a question that... So when the guy like kicks himself in the head, yeah, in, in his dream, uh, I and then he wakes up. Does is he really awake, or is that just like a second dream level? Oh. So, so he's gonna be like, oh, freaking out later when he realizes, oh, I'm not actually in a oh, dream. You're, you're thinking this is some like Inception level bullshit, yeah? Or uh, oh God, what was that uh, that movie? Where they're like, not, uh, Paprika. Oh, Paprika! <laughs> they're like, what even is real anymore? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, to be fair with the, with Paprika, that's kind of Satoshi Kone's whole stick. Mm-hmm. What shtick? What exactly is real? Yeah, he, he probably actually woke up, because... Yeah, I imagine so. Like, and he sees that everybody else is still asleep and kind of trapped in a dream. It seems that what the, uh, what the King of Distortion wants is to turn, as he puts it, turn everything into gold. Like, take the distortion of people's hearts and turn it into gold. Oh, which, yes, the Smash Math lyric. All that glitters is gold. I was thinking Led Zeppelin, what you unlightened plebeian. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the problem with that is just the idea that they're basically living in a lie, pretty much. And that's that's the biggest issue that I have with it. The thing they're feeling isn't real. It's like, it's wish fulfillment, is what it is. And I guess you could argue that if they died feeling fulfilled, then that that's sort of like an ethical quandary here. But it seems like Tarotsky, or, or the King of Distortion, is just... Uh, he's trying to do exactly what Gene and the Imaginator have done, and basically try to uh, bring everybody together by essentially killing them all. Like, robbing them yeah. of uh, aggression or, or fulfilling, like, fake dreams. 
taking yeah. away their need well, to and, struggle. And we know there's a, at least one threat because Boogie Pop is there. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they see Tarotsky as that yeah, threat. Probably. <laughs> Let's just see if uh, if next episode everyone just wakes up in an alternate world and he shows up in the sky. And, Welcome to the world of Sword Art Online. Oh God! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Or just like fucking, uh, they 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 fall asleep and they wake up and in a carriage and and then there's a man sitting across from them. Is like you're a long way from whatever criminal <laughs> Elder Scrolls Skyrim. It turns concept. into it turns into fucking Skyrim. <laughs> uh, there were some really cool like little uh, little tidbits though, as far as directing goes. Like whenever they confront, whenever people confronted the King of Distortion, but they hadn't like fallen asleep or whatever. Like, did you notice that every time they did that, like you'd hear like background noise and it just immediately go silent afterwards. Like it would just be like somebody flipped a, a noise cancel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really. Was really cool. Or when uh, Keiji, uh, Toka's boyfriend, looked in the looked in the reflection in the glass, they didn't see a reflection like from the side. But when he looked straight ahead, you could see the reflection of Boogie Pop in front of them. I, I, th- I think that was supposed to be representing that he's the only person seeing it. Mm. When you saw it from his angle, you see it. But when you see it from just like a side off camera, it didn't yeah. show it because nobody else sees that reflection. Yeah, it's it's subtle, but it's a but mm. it is a pretty clever way of going about it. And the uh, the last one being, crap, I wrote this in my notes, but, uh... You mean you're remembering? Yes, I'm remembering. Remember yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very funny. Uh, whatever. That, anyway, that's, that's actually all about I was thinking about this show. It's, this episode, this arc is setting up to be incredibly entertaining. I'm looking forward to seeing how Boogie Pop deals with it this time. Yeah, probably the finale soon. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, next up is Dororo. Uh, it's it's gonna get uh, take a while for me to get used to this, but Dororo is a female. Yeah, Dororo's <laughs> a girl. I personally never would have guessed because like the series has done they've done a quite a lot to assume that it's like make you assume it's like oh they kind of dress like a boy, they act like a young they act like a young boy. Most people that have come across Dororo have called it have called him boy. So it would just immediately lead you to believe, oh, it's a boy. Mm. Uh, no, it is not. It's Dororo is in fact a young girl. Yeah, is is uh, is funny seeing her get flustered at the end. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, was, wait, did you see anything? It's like, did the nurse? It's like, did the nun say anything about me? <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if the nun was like confused for whatever reason, or mm-hmm. like she, she didn't actually examine her. I don't know. Maybe like at the. I think that they handled it pretty well. It's like, because uh, at the end, it's like, it must be difficult traveling with such a young girl. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry? Yeah. It's uh, like, <laughs> But the, the meanest episode was the... Was Dodoro's past. Yeah, the, the past. Telling, the telling of Dodoro's past, which was... Was basically a fever dream, for one thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can definitely understand Dodoro's hate for samurai a lot more now. Yeah, I... I think it was a really cool directing decision for to show the entire flashback in like grayscale sort of muted colors, except for anything that was red. Anything that was red was incredibly vibrant and stuff in their mind because of the red spider lilies. But not just the red spider lilies, literally everything that was red. So the blood was incredibly vibrant, the fire was incredibly vibrant, and so were the red spider lilies, which we find out why as the episode progresses. Yeah. Oh man, the hardest scene for me to watch in this episode was when uh after uh her dad after Dorado's dad died, 
and her mom went up to like the soup kitchen place. Yeah. And just had the guy pour the hot soup into her hands. Like, oh God. Oh. I was just thinking to myself, Oh God. Oh jeez. I was like, that's gonna hurt. And then they just did a really good good job of making like she was shaking and there was like a sizzling noise. I was like, Oh god. It's like <laughs> God, it's like it's so it's, cringy to watch. Yeah. I mean, just jeez, that was so pain that must have been so painful, but mm-hmm. She w- but she was desperate, and we'd make to- like to make an addendum to something we'd said a few weeks ago. Dodoro's mom did not die of getting raped. Oh, Thankfully, yeah. she just died of starvation, which is what I had initially thought, but I wasn't entirely sure. But this episode confirmed it. She starved to death, which, ouch, that's gotta yeah. suck. I-, I also have some t- uh, some choice words to say about Dodoro's dad. Mm. So I can understand the whole getting revenge on the samurai thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily... So I don't agree with his method of let's just rob all the samurai. Because mm-hmm. that's that's just going to cause more problems and your people are going to get hurt more in the end. Uh, but that being said, I I wasn't in the situation. And if I was, my opinion would probably be a little different. Yeah, the... The interesting, and we see, like, the consequences of his actions later when there was somebody that he'd raided had survived the attack, but then met him in a wounded condition and tried to kill him. Which, that scene was awesome, by the way, because he when he picks up the sword and just, like, tosses it and oh, just yeah. cuts off the guy's leg. So unrealistic, but it <laughs> but was awesome. who cares? It was cool. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure swords don't spin that way <laughs> but yeah whatever you do if you're an anime dad yeah anime dads are the best dads unless you're shao tucker fuck you <laughs> <laughs> but remember for father's day thank your dad unless you're shao tucker anyway i think that it was a it was a super brutal scene but then like just like how silent everything was like except for the crackling of the fire because that's exactly what the samurai were doing it's like oh, we need to pass through this village, so let's burn everything to the ground, which I guess was a real tactic, but... Yeah, like, they want their army to march through, and they don't want to be ambushed or something, probably. Maybe, or maybe they saw, like, if they were heading into enemy territory, the the enemy, like, the farmers and stuff could, like, provide food and stuff to the enemy army or something like that, so Mm -hmm. it's just, like, a scorched earth type of thing. Like, that, that kind of stuff makes sense, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it is. It is so screwed. I think that, uh, like, afterwards, the, like, the little scenes, like, of uh, just Dodoro traveling with her mom, and, like, seeing that little uh, skeleton baby and the skeleton mom, that was disturbing. Just this whole episode, you understand why Dodoro, like, what Dodoro's motivations are. I'm also surprised that Dodoro is still as, like, chipper as she is. Yeah, no kidding. After going through all that shit. Like... Like, I'm pretty sure I'd be pretty worse for wear after watching my dad get killed, um, <laughs> watching people cannib- watching a dude cannibalize another dude, oh god, and just like being in that uh, section of dead, like that entire field of dead bodies. Let's look for food, I guess. Yeah, that, that actually, that tiny cannibalism scene was really well done, in my opinion, because they didn't really like touch on it too long, they, they didn't make it like, oh, they got attacked by cannibals later, it was just... A small detail showing you how shitty the situation was. Yeah, exactly. The other really weird thing, though, is Itachi. Like, Itachi, the person that sold out Dodoro's dad, Ahibikuro. I I have very conflicting feelings on him, really. Any positive feelings? Um, well, (laughs) do I have any positive? Well, 
he break he kind of is like shaped Dotoro's philosophy in a way. Like you have to actually be smart and think. You can't rely on strength from this point forward. Which they bring up a which they bring up a good point. Yes, he sold out his he sold out his um his former boss and stuff. Unfortunately, his boss did kind of have the wrong of it. You can't just rely on brute force forever. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, it's definitely good reasoning. Very, but... again, much like Dodoro's dad, very shitty implementation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, if if Itachi and uh, Dodoro's dad ended up, like, sitting down and talking and, you know, working out their ideas together, they probably could have worked out a lot better in the end. Yeah, exactly. Because you could have uh, had Itachi's ideal of, you know... Because he said, like, if you work your cards right, you can end up being, like, a... Getting a lord position or something. Yeah, like we're getting in good graces with the local lord. Uh, and Granted, then, that then would he turn, could have what? Go that ahead. would have turned, uh, but that would have turned uh, basically made uh, Hibikuro a samurai, which would have been the very thing he hated most. Yeah, but there's a situation of if you're dead, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So he, what, he, what he could have done is uh, ended up getting in good graces with the lord, maybe schmoozed up, got a little bit of like a, a higher rank, you know, made a stable place for his family, and then at any point after that, he could have. Uh, Mm-hmm. Like, lashed out and, and yeah. fought back. Maybe. But, I don't know. This whole situation was messed up beyond a recognition. Yeah. It's interesting to see Itachi try to, uh... Like, the scene after he betrays uh, Hibikuro, um, has him get shot in the legs, and then, like, starts walking away. Like, when Dodoro calls out his name, like, he gives a, a smile, but it doesn't really seem like a happy one. Like, it's sort of like he regrets actually having to sell out a young kid. Yeah, I mean, he's probably upset about some of the things, but at the end of the day, he's like, I'm choosing survival over over whatever. It's a shitty situation, but unfortunately, that's what he had to do. Uh, Going back to, like, the not flashback part of this episode, uh, I thought it was... It was was interesting seeing how much Hyakimaru actually cares for Dororo. Yeah. Because he was just walking around like, ah, Dororo, sick. Yeah. Head fire. Yeah, he didn't know, like, he didn't know how to explain it, and probably because he's still getting used to his voice, he Mm. doesn't really know exactly how to, like, talk that way. Just, like, their body's hot, pretty much, is what he was trying to say. I was surprised he could even talk that much. Yeah. I, like, I don't... I don't even know when he learned to talk mm-hmm. because he couldn't hear for the longest time. Yeah, when did he learn how to what, what words meant? <laughs> maybe, I, maybe like because there's probably a lot of traveling, I guess, off screen. Yeah, probably. I it has to be. Also, we get probably one of the one of the most cheesy fucking stingers ever in this show. Like when uh, when <laughs> Hiyakimaru's dad at his mansion, they were ex- like one of his messengers. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I lost my shit. Yeah, it's like he the ba- it's like he was fighting a man with prosthetic arms. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning bolt <Yeah>. stinger. <laughs> uh, but but the, the ending was was pretty cute. Mm. Yeah, the door door like be like, oh, you didn't see or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, uh, we we should probably move on because we talk about the show. Uh, this episode time. was just very good. Yeah. Let me just say that much. On to Kaguya-sama, Love Is War. Well, really quick, JoJo was a recap episode. So. Oh yeah, so yeah, let's let's just address the elephant in the room. It was a recap episode, yeah. basically detailing like how all of them joined Passione. That's yeah. pretty much all it was. We no need to talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, so Kaguya-sama love is war. The first thing I noticed, God, that's a really realistic looking lightning storm. Like the opening shot. Where oh yeah. Shot, <laughs> I was thinking, 
Jesus Christ, that's actually a really good-looking lightning storm for some reason. So I don't know where Chica gets her facts. I, I've i never heard of, uh, oh, I'm gonna cover up my stomach because the lightning's gonna steal my belly button. Yeah, the god of thunder will steal my belly button. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, looking at how much Kaguya sort of cares for her, it's like, it's okay, I'll just cover well, your ears. first, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just seeing how, how Kaguya switches back from going, uh, being like, oh, Chica's the best girl, Chica's my worst enemy. <laughs> Things like Just that. Crushing her head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't because she was mad at her, but because she was distracted. Yeah. Uh, sick Kaguya is my new favorite thing. Uh, sick Kaguya is surprisingly adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's about as she's about as ditzy and airheaded as Chica, like, times ten, I think. Yeah, it's because... It's like her without all the, like the social pressures. Yeah, exactly. On her, which which we got a little bit um, about uh, info about that later on when she was saying like when when Kagi was uh, monologuing a little bit about yeah. like I I just this is the only thing I know how to do all that yeah and because her family motto is really fucked up like we see it for like a fraction of a second really but I actually bothered to write it down. It was if you are a Shinomiya, do not rely on anyone. Instead, use them. Do not receive any. Do not receive anything. Instead, steal. Do not love anyone. There is no instead. It's like the like, fucking that's like, that's Jedi like, Code. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's the Jedi, either the Jedi Code or how to make a sociopath. Yeah. I mean, which, kind of, Kagi is a little bit of a sociopath at times. Yeah, I think her parents are probably definitely the hands-off type. Yeah. Especially based on, like, the ending. Yeah. The ending sequence where she, they, there's, like, a little cut in the ending sequence where it shows her kind of just sitting in a chair. Like alone, and all alone, and then her uh, her maid, yeah, Hayasaka is there to like be yeah. with her. Yeah, Hayasaka. Hi- Hayasaka once again proves why she's one of the best characters in this show <laughs> because <laughs> because Miyuki actually manages to get uh, Miyuki actually manages to sack up and go over to Kaguya's house, and like she disguises herself by putting in colored eye contacts and then uh, stuffing up her chest a little bit. Yeah. But then he's like, I was just here to hand out printouts. It's like, oh don't, it's like don't chicken out after you've come this far. I, I, I love when when she's closing the door. It's like, it's soundproof. No one will hear you. And he's like, I'm not going to do anything. It's like, don't. <laughs> it's like, also, you have my assurance that nobody will be here for three hours. But still, don't do anything inappropriate. <laughs> like, yeah, just her, like, gradually closing the door. Yeah. And... I I've recently discovered that that Chica is a dirty cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's like we talked about before. She's she's smarter than she's smarter than she, she lets on. Like she like because she used a marked deck, or at least in a or had made a deck in a way that was like totally like. Of course, she was going to be able to win a game because they were. She was cheating. Yeah. It, it, was it Ishigami is his name. Yeah, Ishigami. Yeah, he's just so he's so haughty in this scene. He's like, "You're just a filthy cheater. <laughs> Disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself." Shame, 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 shame. shame, shame. <laughs> and then even Miyuki's like, "Dude, you can stop that." But uh, even uh, I love the the reversal too. When, yeah, when Chica like goes out and like, she's like I'm, I'm going home. I go die. die. Yeah, Ishigami's <laughs> like, "Don't actually die though." <laughs> she's like fucking smug about it. Yeah, it's like it always worked with my sisters. <laughs> Uh, so many good Chica reactions. Yeah, this this was ab- this was absolutely perfect. And I will say that the last thing I want to bring up is how like how much of a sweet moment it actually was from uh, from Miyuki when he realized that 
it was kind of his fault that uh, that she was sick in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because he splashed her with water. He didn't realize it was her at the time because he was in a hurry, wanted to get to work. But when he realized that, his his thinking changed from, it's like, oh, I want to win just because I want to see just how she acts like a total baby. Like in his perverted fantasy mm-hmm. because teenage boy, but whatever. And him actually saying, no... I have to I have to win because I have to make up for what I did. And that was actually a really nice moment from him. It's the most roundabout way of confessing about about it as is par for the course for this show, yeah. but it's still a really sweet moment. Yeah, we get the the bed scene was also pretty sweet. Yeah. Know, um it, we got an, an actual genuine like how cute. Yeah, exactly. That, that rather than her just so mocking. Just like, yeah. My heart. But then of course she wakes up and finds out that he was in there getting pissed <laughs> and then uh Hayasaka determines by using her magnifying glass and detective ability that no, <laughs> nothing actually happens. Oh, no semen on this blanket. Yeah, no semen, no uh, no blood or anything. Just really. It's like, I was thinking to myself, oh god, what was she looking for? Yeah, just a, another golden episode in the golden <laughs> show. Indeed. So next up is the Magnificent Kotobuki. We <laughs> got it. We finally got a train robbery episode. Oh well, not really a train robbery. It's an yeah, airship, but... Probably. But whatever, you this, get my this point. Scene, this show had, like, my favorite scene of the week, pretty much. Yeah, it it was so... I never thought I could see something that was so janky-looking, but so kick-ass at yeah, the same time. So, um, obviously, talking about the, the Johnny scene. Right? Yes, where Johnny... Uh, I want to point out that the, like, the animation for Johnny, uh, like, even when he's behind the bar, it's just, it's, it just feels kind of awkward. Yeah. And when he's fighting, it feels kind of awkward. And even his voice actor is kind of, like, not that great. Yeah. It's like, mean, a, like a C-list... It sounds like like yeah. a, a very beginner voice actor. It could it could be that, and also just be like kind of his character too. Like his yeah, character just, is supposed to be kind of meek. Sounding. Sure, but it like. But I get what you're, I get what sound But I get what you're saying. But that being said, that whole scene where he just pulled out the guns and everything, just started gunning people down and dodging bullets, was so fucking awesome. It was yeah. It was it was simultaneously the most cheesy but the most yeah. kick ass thing. It felt like a like a B movie, a B action movie kind of thing. Yeah, like as you said, it's it felt a lot like a early seasons of Ruby. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like that kind of sa- that same kind of level of um uh, of passion behind it and like ridiculous rule of cool over the topness. Yeah, and, and I was like, not expecting that from this show. The 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 poses he does with like the guns are really yeah guys. just like like this the stereotypical cowboy like I'm gonna like point yeah. gun, <laughs> one gun to each side just bang 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 just uh, that and the the fucking um, dodo <laughs> yeah the captain strikes at dawn or what no takes flight at dawn yeah, and just she, like yeah, as soon as she plays as soon as she says the the keyword over the of the intercom the dodo just like turns his head and I expected to hear like a <laughs> noise because <laughs> it like cuts away immediately after that. Yeah, um, I want to point out that uh, that whole thing wouldn't have happened if they actually just shot the dodo. Like, because they pointed a gun at it, and then they decided not to shoot it, maybe because they thought, oh, it's just a stuffed animal. That's probably what he thought. Because it was, yeah, it was just standing still, but at the same, like, and I guess you don't want to waste a bullet, like, in the hangar or something like that. He probably, probably just thought it was a, you know, just a stuffed, a stuffed uh, ornament in the... Yeah, in the captain's it, area. Or oh, whatever. such a weird place for a stuffed ornament. <laughs> but he was standing like deadly still. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like, 
it reminds me of I remember when I was a kid and I saw like a uh, I saw like a cat just sitting like perfectly still like on a um, uh, on a shelf or something and like I looked in that direction I thought I was like oh man that's a really realistic cat statue and then it turned and looked in my direction I was like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> like I was not expecting go that. back to devil or go back to the hell so he yeah out of this house <laughs> out of this house but yeah that whole sequence reminded me of that like engage stealth mode it was actually a pretty clever plan on their part because they kind of used exactly what the air pirates had done like when the, well the, the blind spot yeah like using yeah. the blind spot by hugging the ground i thought that was really cool and there was actually a nice little callback to a joke from a few episodes ago when uh emma had to be like flying in uh in Kilier's cockpit or like a cargo hold and both rayona and her had to be in emma's <laughs> cockpit hold. it was a nice little callback <laughs> Are you guys comfortable back there? It's like we have. It's like you have some real. It's like I have some heavy luggage back here. Boom, <laughs> bonk. And yeah, that was that was a really funny little bit. The uh, the little sequence when the air pirates like uh, boarded the ship. It reminded me of Star Wars Battlefront Two with the space oh, battle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you get into the hangar and then you just shoot everything that's, there. That, yeah, I was exactly thinking that too. Yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one because that's just exactly what it reminded me. I was like, oh man, this is so. It reminded me so much of playing Star Wars on the um, PlayStation Two. So, so these bandits, or quote unquote bandits, because they have like fancy ass fighter jets. Yeah, uh, really. like you were saying before, they're probably bandits supplied by was it Stanton? Uh, yeah, the stand And Johnny had pointed out something. They seem almost like military men. So I don't think there are any just run-of-the-mill man- bandits. I'm pretty sure they're like former military soldiers, like who are probably now out of a job, or mm, they yeah. realize that, uh, or they realize that, that Merc work pays more money. So I imagine that's that's probably what they were going for here. The we actually get to see people die this episode. Like, oh well, no, uh, Johnny was using rubber bullets. Uh, at first. Oh yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, because I. Oh yeah, because his I gun remember, behind the bar had rubber bullets. I remember uh, when he fired the first gun; it sounded like really weird. It sounded so, like a toy. Like, but then, yeah, then he actually used. That's right, yeah. But then he was probably dead. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the rest of the team they got to use like a. Um, uh, they also use real guns. Uh, we get to see the waitress actually do something cool. Like, she just throws, like, dishes, like, shurikens at people. Uh, and, uh, what's her name? The, the engineer girl? Uh, yeah. I was Throwing nursing handles? Just fucking tossing, which... That's enough to kill somebody, probably. If it's yeah, those are probably pretty damn heavy. <laughs> oh, they just, like, spiral. And then, boom! At people? Uh, yeah, Granted, they also probably... Like, if they didn't, like, hit somebody in the head, I mean, which probably would kill them, they definitely hit somebody in the chest, which would probably, like, result in some cracked ribs. Yeah. Uh, this this wasn't like a super plot heavy episode. It was mostly just dumb action. Yeah, it was it was dumb at it was dumb action and just a um and since it's kind of fitting into the sort of old west theme, like oh we've got a we've got a gunslinger, the uncatchable Johnny. Yeah, and I, I liked it. I, I liked the little thing they did with him where it's like oh yeah I I remember she'll be forever in my heart and then like I, I had a feeling she wasn't dead and yeah. later on they're like yeah oh, yeah she like, just left him yeah it's like he for, he didn't uh, throw away his guns like he stopped using them but he's just kept hoarding more guns mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah I think that this next one like we're, it looks like we're winding down and getting into like the final like bit of the arc it seems yeah I, pro- probably the the main enemy like it's probably gonna be Stanton yeah I imagine so. And the last little bit from this episode was uh, the madam saying, yeah, we're never taking a job from you again. It, it certainly is dangerous to be fam- to famous, so be careful. It's like, 
Well, that's not ominous or anything. (laughs) Next up, Mob Psycho 102. Alright, I'm so glad they confirmed that that Mob's family wasn't dead in like the first 30 seconds. Yeah, well, yeah, I was pretty sure that he wasn't going to kill him off. Just because, like I said before, it would be such a big tonal shift in the show. I mean... It was quick thinking by Dimple, though, to actually convince him, though. Which yeah, because he, really... he didn't know for sure. But it was, but it, ha- but it was handled super well by him. And it's just like, I'm sure. It's like, I'm sure this is what happened. Just listen to me, Mob. I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that this was. This is just a dump. These are just dummies that somebody had set up for you to find. And then he actually convinces Mob that he needs to calm down, and without actually saying, okay, never mind. He does say calm down, which. When does it ever calm somebody down? It like, kind of calmed him down. It was weird. He went from, like, question mark down to 100. Yeah, because he was still, like, fuming. He was, he was 100% obsession. Yeah, and it was, I need to find these, I need to find these bastards who who attacked my family and burned down my house. Which, he finds them, like, almost immediately. It's like, I, I sense... All, all of a sudden, he has clairvoyance now. Yeah, it's just like, and even Dimple's like... Did he just learn how to do that? <laughs> well, it, I mean, that's what he's been doing like the whole show, pretty much. Yeah, especially I think they started off at the beginning of the beginning of the season, where he like learned how to control the plants. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's just he's just kind of starting to learn how to control his powers a lot better, which I thought was super cool. And he uh, seeing Mob actually like getting serious, I forget how scary it is at times because like and just here when he actually got like super frustrated and like. Like, use something other than electricity. It's like, oh, is that really all you can do? Well, I guess then you're no threat. You're free to go. (laughs) He just throws him. (laughs) And, but then, of course, Reagan saves the day by by calming him down and actually saying the, uh, it's like, I'm pretty sure your family's fine. Like, there's no way they got, they were actually hurt. Like, if they were, um, uh, if they were on their, if they were on their way, that must have meant that somebody had, uh, must have meant that somebody had already known about it, had tracked them down, set their house on fire so they wouldn't get so they wouldn't get targeted. Yeah, Which I, I he proves to be one hundred percent right. I think that Reagan is probably the only person that could have done that. Yeah, that to, to just made him make him go just a zero, pass out immediately because he yeah. was so exhausted. Yeah, exactly. The, I, I didn't expect. Um, God, what's his name? Show. Yeah. Show. Yeah. I didn't expect him to be on their side. He's on their <laughs> side in the most in the most messed up way humanly yeah. possible. Because for one thing, his motivations are I hate you, Dad! <laughs> I hate you, Dad! I you up, Dad! Yeah. I fucking hate you, Dad! That's pretty much his entire motivation. He's just that's the main reason he wants to take down his father's organization. Because he hates his dad. Yeah. Uh, well it's I mean I guess it's kinda cool of him to be like, well, I wanna get Mob angry so he'll go attack my dad. But yeah. also, I don't want to hurt his family. I just want him to make it think I killed his family. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it is certainly an interesting way of going about it for sure. Because uh, as because as Reagan pointed out to Dimple when he's like, "Did you lie to him about that?" It's like you. It's like very risky of you to do that because if he found out that you lied, he'd hate you forever. Just and very much the same thing. If uh, if he finds out about Show, he's probably going to get very pissed off at him. Like, even if he didn't really kill his family. Well, I don't think he will, actually. You don't think so? No, because if he learns that show, he might get a little upset. Mm-hmm. But I think if he learns that show took his parents, but sent them away on a all-expenses-paid vacation to a hot spring, 
Yeah. I think it'll probably take the edge off of his anger a little bit. Yeah, I, I imagine it, it, so. It's probably mostly going to be a relief yeah. when he learns that his parents are safe. Yeah, which I think will actually be sort of to uh, show's uh, chagrin, really, because he wants Mob to fight yeah. at full strength. And he just knew by looking at him, it's like, yeah, he wouldn't actually fight unless there was something huge to set him off. I, I would like to see a Mob just, without being in like anger mode or anything, just punch him in the face. Yeah. Not at a, just, and then just be like, okay, we're, we're even now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that'd be uh, interesting to see. Yeah. So you got to see a lot more Claw. Yeah, Claw is a huge organization because I'm pretty sure, like, in the first season, all we saw was the 7th Division, which a yeah. lot of the 7th Division members make appearances here. Uh, all of them. Yeah. I think. All of them, yeah. All the all, major they're, ones. They're all now former 7th yeah. Division members. Yeah, because the... Because Master Reagan... Yeah, because Master Reagan put them on the straight and narrow path, <laughs> which, because Reagan is a good guy. I can cert, and on that note, I can certainly see why they confused him for the boss, because the boss kind of has that s- kind of similar air about him. It kind of makes me wonder if the uh, the boss of Claude doesn't have any powers. Like, if he's just, if he is just like a con man like Reagan is. Oh, we haven't seen any of his powers yet. Yeah, he... Yeah, he He's just had everyone around fight for him in that episode. Exactly, like we've never seen him fight. He just, but he just kept his calm and he kept his composure throughout the entire like as the events were unfolding. Like, oh, no, it's like, oh, you're starting a mutiny. That's cute. I didn't need my section leaders anyway because I have the ultimate five. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the organization's mostly fucked. Yeah, in terms of like its hierarchy system, mm. he still has the ultimate five and himself. But I think a lot of the other people like turn turncoded no he no it was just the four it was just foreign members of claw like, yeah but they were like high ranking no they weren't they, they weren't were section the, leaders right no they weren't not all of them oh, like okay. they were just members of like a foreign squadron like the um uh, the section leaders they knocked them all out that squad knocked them all oh, out. oh that's right yeah which yeah, yeah. he basically said i don't really need my section leaders as long as i have as long as the ultimate five and okay, yeah yeah it, it, it was, was it was it was funny seeing like oh man these guys are so strong they took out all these psychics and then you see the guys like, oh, these guys are even stronger. They took out all those guys that took out all those guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's even funnier when uh, when they bring back one of the, like, the guy that had attacked Hanazawa, like, in his apartment or whatever. And it's just like, you'll never, it's like, you'll <laughs> never get me to talk. I'm a member of Claw. It just ducks him in water. Ah, I'll talk, I'll talk, I'll talk. They did the same thing last season, too. Oh, they the, did? With the... the um, whip guy, the energy whip guy. Oh, yeah. I think they did the exact same torture on him. He's like, oh, okay, I'll talk. Please stop. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, a lot of solid psyches from these guys. Yeah. And then the last bit is we realized just how fucked Thomas, not Hamazura, I'm thinking of Index for some reason, but uh, the Hanazawa, I think, is his name. He's all, how he was going up against the Shimazaki, one of the, one of the um, uh, ultimate five who, he's got really interesting powers. He can't see anything, but he can still predict people's movements, and he has the ability to teleport. That's a very dangerous combination. Yeah, as soon as uh, Hamazura put up the... Or Hanazawa. Hanazawa put up the barrier, uh, I was like, yeah, he's just gonna teleport inside that. <laughs> exactly. Like, there, it's like, I don't even need... Uh, like, I don't need... It's like, oh, is his, is his attack just super fast... Is his power just super fast speed? Mm, close! Yeah. You, It's like... It's like, that's at least a good attempt, but you still got your ass kicked. I'm still wondering, like, if Mob is actually going to um, partake in the fighting, and if so, what's going to finally set him off? Oh, he's definitely going to. Yeah. 
I guess the question is just a matter of, oh, what exactly is going to set him off? There? Yeah, because the only time he usually ever fights is to protect people. Mm-hmm. So, next up is My Roommate is a Cat. Pouty Puffy Cheek Taru is adorable. <laughs> like, just look at those puffy cheeks. Yeah, so, so much pouting girls this season. Yeah. yeah I, I saw, like, a compli- or a, a, a thing on the internet. A picture was, like, Haru pouting, um, Itsuki pouting, mm. uh, Raftalia pouting. It's <laughs> like, who did it best? Yeah, who did the pouting best? Probably probably Haru, I'll say. I like I like Haru pouting. It was just... Because I think the thing about it is... Like, she is, like, the... Like, she is, like, the most tsundere tsundere to ever tsundere. She's also a cat. Like, just the metal gymnastics when she's thinking to herself, it's like, oh, I'm just worried about him, that's all. Like, yeah. I don't really miss him or anything. Like, just really? That's that's how you're gonna deal with this? Yeah, it, it was a little weird uh, having the Haru segment of the episode start first. Yeah, I, I thought that, too. It's like, wait, we're starting off with the Haru segment? That's a way to break formula. It was a... It was a welcome break from Formula, but I wasn't expecting it, and it was pretty awesome. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Oh my god, Taro's so wholesome. Oh my god, yeah, like when uh, when his family comes back, he's just, just like, like welcome, welcome back, back. I'm welcome so back. happy you're back. So, yeah, he's so wholesome, like, it's just, hey, I'm, it's like, hey, hey, let's play, yeah. I'm bored. <laughs> It's like, I'm lonely. It's exactly how I'd think, like, an old dog like that would sound like. Yeah. Maybe if you could hear him talk. Yeah, he does sound like it. Just like, I'm bored. My family left me. It's like, they'll be back. It's like, I don't know when they'll be back. And then, best part of this episode, though, was just, was just, like, hint with Subaru at the autograph signing. Because mm-hmm. it was just such a big moment of growth for him. For one thing, him actually appearing in public with a lot of people when we've seen he's got crippling social anxiety. And he even does like the, the social faux pas of like uh, of like somebody like if you're ever at a restaurant and says somebody says, Hey, enjoy your food, thanks uh, you too. It was exactly kind of like that. I, I felt personally attacked <laughs> because I do that so much. Just and like as soon as I leave the store, I'm like, okay, bye. But on the inside, I'm just like, it's like, I can, it's like I can never, it's like I can never go there again. Now. We have to burn it down. That's like, yeah. the only option. Yeah, that that is the only option. The moment that um, Subaru actually like that little boy showed up and wanted to shake his hand, that was that was such a a nice moment because mm-hmm. like just for one thing, the kid was just super adorable. Like just him, like like anybody who's been starstruck like that before knows what it's like. And just seeing that and just, like, seeing a young kid be like that, it's just like, oh, that's actually kind of sweet. And the fact that his hero actually kind of reached out to him, that was also a really nice moment. Yeah, the kid probably reminded uh, Subaru a lot of himself Yeah, as a kid. Pretty much. Just, like... Being so enthralled with books. Yeah, being so enthralled with books. Like, I've read... He even specifically said, I've read this book, like, so many times. Like, he's read the same book a bunch. And the fact that he came there to get an autograph signing when... And actually asked, hey, will you shake my hand, please? Yeah. It was just such a wholesome moment. But then we we get exactly what we were expecting when Nana finally shows up and sees mm-hmm. the truth. And that whole bit just basically it reminded me, it's like, is it just a thing in Japan where they try to out-polite each other? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, that's what I figured because... I mean, and I've heard, and I've heard rumors of that, but it's interesting seeing, it's like, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, they were this, they, they're basically trying to keep the status quo, which is actually nice, they're basically trying to, 
<laughs> explain oh, themselves and really kind of say, no, it's like we both kind of messed up here. Like, so there's no need, there's no need to really like get upset about it. That was a nice moment. Uh, too. His, his manager or, uh, Kawase, editor, his editor, uh, is super good at smoothing things over. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Kawase is such a bro. Pretty much. He's, he's obviously very experienced with handling, like, public... Yeah, exactly. Or something. I'm sure he has other people that he has to work with. Yeah, like, I mean, it kind of... It's... This definitely was an episode where it made you... What reminded you... Oh, yeah, he actually is probably pretty competent. Yeah. Because... <laughs> most of the time you just see him falling over Haru. Yeah, it, like, most of the time he's such, like, a loud, obnoxious goofball. Like, and it's kind of... It's always refreshing to see characters like this actually have, like, some depth to them and actually realize well wait they're actually pretty competent i can understand why why he was assigned to him in the first place and the fact they're actually getting along so well and even subaru saying i hope we can continue working together yeah that was really nice to see yeah like because because think about how annoyed he was like subaru was just like being around him just like i can't believe this guy's my editor i could we i want to go back to my old editor can we have can i have anyone else please Mm -hmm. and just seeing like him uh Actually, changes tune was super nice, and then we get to the Haru eradicating the house scene. Oh man, <laughs> I just love this! Like, I I, I don't know why, why I'm just pissed. Like, I got the kick of this feeling out of me. Yeah, I gotta get this feeling out of me. And even uh, Tara was just like, "No, no, no! What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm sure that's not good. That's bad. That's very bad. Because as soon as I think the trigger was seeing uh, Taro's family come home. Yeah, <laughs> was like where the fuck is he? Fuck this book. Fuck this tissues. Yeah, fuck the tissues. Every like fuck all these tissues. I'm gonna throw them out all over the place. I'm gonna jump in this sweater and get super discombobulated. <laughs> And Subaru coming home and thinking, oh god, my house is destroyed. It must be a burglar. Well, I don't have anything particularly precious to me. Haru! Yeah, that was cool. The first thing he thought of was Yeah, no, cat. that was a that was a really nice moment. Like, and how he wasn't even particularly, like, pissed off when he realized, oh wait, it was you. Well, the thing is, like, it's it's a weird situation. When, you, when you're punishing animals for doing something wrong, you have to punish them, like, immediately after mm-hmm. they do the thing. Otherwise, they're going to be like... Uh, why are you doing this to me? Why am I being punished? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other really cool moment, because in another break of formula, they actually kind of uh, merge the two perspectives together, which is something that we had been bringing up the entire throughout mm-hmm. the runtime of this series, pretty much. Except they, they merged it together, but they went like forward to it. They went to a further scene, then they went back to an older scene, then they went back to a further scene again. Uh, it, it was just a little... A little yeah. flip-floppy, awkward at the end, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I think that uh, I think that it's actually maybe a sign that maybe they plan on doing something more like this, like where they're actually their perspectives are kind of more overlapping now yeah, that they're that's probably actually gonna getting be, closer. Yeah, that's probably going to be what they're going to do near the end of this show. Yeah, because even Subaru is thinking to himself, like, oh man, it'd be so awesome if we could actually understand what she was trying to say to me. I doubt they're actually going to be like he yeah. completely <laughs> understands her and can suddenly read his cat's mind. I don't know, because com- ghosts confirmed. That's, you know, that's true. <laughs> Supernatural is already a thing in this world. That That is true. The other really nice scene is when uh, Haru's having, like, a, a flashback, pretty much, of her, like, are, is everyone following me? Just making sure, like, her siblings oh, yeah. are still behind her, but then looking back is just like, well, I don't really have to look behind me anymore now, do I? Because it's just me. And then she does yeah. for Subaru. <laughs> Which... Is, and it's also kind of interesting because it's not just uh, him looking back in her direction to see if the Subaru's following her. It's also just her looking 
forward still towards the future. Because that's something even Subaru kind of realizes. He can't change the things he's done in the past. He can't change any of that. All he can really do now is focus on the present and try to make it better. Mm -hmm. And try to make up for the mistakes he's made. Which I thought overall was a really nice uh, message in this series. Next up, Price of Smiles. Oh, God, I was not... A, I, a character I didn't want to die. Yeah, I... I like so When we were watching this episode, I was like, man, he sure is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, that was actually <laughs> something we did say before. It's like, yeah, I agree. It's like, Gale's a great character. Oh, he's dead. Great. Uh, so I didn't... I, I'm sad that he died. It didn't really hit me that hard, though. It, it was kind of like... Uh, it was Miller... Mm, Harold, yeah. Um, yeah. his death didn't really hit me that hard because just the pacing of it of these past two episodes has been just awkward. I I think that they I agree with that, but at the same time, I also think that they they handled it pretty well because Gale was somebody you had kind of seen interact with the squad throughout the entire time. Harold was somebody Harold was somebody you hadn't really seen as much of, like. But here we actually got to see like some personal moments between him and his squad mates, him and it. And it was just something that had been kind of building up for a while, I think. And him actually, like, like the scenes with him and Stella, like, when they're just kind of by themselves, like, him sort of berating, like, her, him complimenting her on the fact that she's finally showing some humanity for a change, or the fact that uh, the two of them just kind of started laughing together. Like, those were nice moments that I think kind of emphasized it. But I can kind of see what you're saying. Like, it did feel a little bit... Yeah, it was... Throughout the entire series, they definitely have built up Owens as a character. Yeah. Uh, and I think this was this was a good point for him to die. Mm -hmm. But they... It's just... These last two episodes, they've been, like, rushing through... I don't know how to put it. It's It just feels like it's going really fast in terms of story. Like, we're not getting... We're not getting a lot of time to... Mm -hmm. To... to, to to deal with, like, the current setting of the war. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, like, this was kind of like a slice of lifey episode yeah. for the most part. And when you're throwing, like, those kind of goofy episodes uh, right after, like, really serious episodes, it's mm -hmm. really hard to pull off well. Uh, Golden Comedy does it really well. But yeah. It's, I'm not a writer, so I can't really explain exactly how he's yeah. going to do it. It just, I know how it felt to me, and it didn't feel super cohesive. I mean, and I guess, like, and I guess that's sort of where you and I differ, because I thought this episode was plenty cohesive. Maybe it's just because, uh, maybe it's just because I kind of saw where, like, saw some of the things where they were going with, and kind of, uh, I thought it was cool seeing, like, the same battle, just from the Empire's perspective, because I remember we were looking at this, and we were like, oh, I feel like I've seen the, oh yeah, yeah. because we have, <laughs> we saw this last episode. I thought they were just recycling footage at first. But no, it's like, oh no, this is. I mean, they. I mean, I guess you could say technically they are, but yeah. But here, but, it's yeah, a, but it was for a reason. Yeah, it's no. like we're just seeing the same battle. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that the. Uh, I think that the interesting thing for for this whole setting and kind of how our our two uh, main leads, uh, Stella and Yuki, like that battle specifically was uh, was central for them and their character development because that they both lost somebody really important to them. Harold's death was handled a little bit more, a little bit more sloppily, I think, than Gale's was. But, uh, but hearing Stella actually like scream—that was yeah, pretty damn sad. And really Especially good. when it's like a point that she doesn't emote very much. Yeah, like and like actually, even Lily is shocked and is actually sad for her, the fact that she's finally emoting. And like the last little bit where you see like uh, Huey and Guy like uh, drinking some of uh, some of Guy's whiskey. 
and guess. her. Oh yeah, guys, yes, guys, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then just and then her seeing basically uh, seeing Gail's ghost just say, "We're on a mission, hand it over." Like that's a pretty big way of. I thought it was a pretty powerful way of showing. It's like, well, yeah, I, that's really kind of how people I imagine would see like somebody dying. Like they see them in situations or a situation they imagine where they were there and kind of wish they were there. I thought that it was a pretty nice mm-hmm. way and a pretty powerful image to end on. At least I, for this episode. I, I will say that definitely the the voice actor for Gale in that death scene stole the show for me just because oh, yeah. he uh, he did he acted out that scene just beautifully like saying each other everyone's names and how he wants them to like stop just stop the war just, just stop yeah, it you have to you basically because that's ends up what he reveals his entire goal is it's like we're the ones creating kids like this kids who can create nothing but bloody battlefields and stuff like that it's it's our responsibility for the where it's our responsibility to lead them through to the end of it and beyond that beyond that a world like the shining world of tomorrow i think that's Gale is one of was one of my favorite characters in this show because of that. He was like, yeah, you can tell he's like a battle hardened, grizzled mer- uh, soldier, but he's the soldier with the heart of gold. <laughs> like he's the old, he's the old man. He's the old man. He's the big daddy, pretty much, because even uh, Lily acknowledges he's kind of like a fussy old man. Yeah, uh, I'm a little so so. I, I I've had a lot of fun with this show so far, but I'm a little worried it's gonna it's not gonna end in a great way. Yeah, it's it's probably gonna be like a an average ending, something I won't remember for a long time, really. But yeah, which is a shame because I really liked this show. Like, I definitely see how like it might end up being like only maybe a, a six for me at the end of this, which mm-hmm. is above average. But that's really about all it is. Yeah, six or six is still good. <laughs> yeah, six is that's in my met- metric. Yeah, six is still above average. Now the thing about it, the thing about it, yes, I agree that uh, these next couple episodes are probably something that they might not be able to completely stick the landing on. Like, I'm still hopeful for there to be a somewhat good ending here. Me too. Maybe I, they're... I, want, I want it to be good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they're planning on writing a sequel. Like, best case scenario. Because, as you pointed out, like, it seems like this, uh, like, the judging from the intro, they, uh, <laughs> they aren't really going to be able to enable, like, Stella and Yuki to meet in a... Yeah, unless that's just symbolic... Yeah, could be what the intro was. It could, which it very well could be, because the intro kind of flat out lies to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I pointed that out after we'd watched this episode, like, because you had addressed that very same concern with me, and I was like, well, to be fair, like, you think that judging from the intro, Joshua is going to be a character who's going to be around for a while, and he's even fighting Stella, and he dies in like the third <laughs> episode, so. Yeah, this in so this series kind of uses a misleading intro, a la Monica Magica. So next up is the the Promised Neverland, which I I say this every week how amazing the show is, but I cannot say how uh, say enough how good the uh, well quote unquote camera work is. Mm. I mean, it's still like animation, but it's the the angles. It's cam it. it's camera work. It's still camera work. I, I feel weird calling it camera work though, because yeah. there's no camera. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a. It's a fictional camera. Perspective, I yeah, guess. Is yeah, a that's a good way of putting it. Uh, just I just want to highlight the scene. Highlight the scene where Norman's like, "Okay, I'm gonna get you a glass of water." Oh and my god, that was so walking hard down walk. the hallway, and you just see the camera like following him, and, and then like, it's freezing on the, and then like freezing on the door behind him. Yeah, and, and and they multiple times in this episode they use the camera angle of 
from the staircase looking out and yeah. seeing someone walk down the hallway. Yeah. Uh, that feels really just uh, un- unsettling and creepy. I mean, yeah, because it makes me wonder... Because ever since, like, a few episodes ago, when you realized that some that crone was watching them, it just made me wonder, it's like, okay, who the fuck is watching them now? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm so paranoid from, from these camera angles. Yeah, and then seeing Norman's shell break oh. when he when he's uh, getting the cup of water and he just, like, breaks down, s- yeah. s- screams. Yeah, well, he doesn't even scream. Right, yeah, he doesn't scream, he's just like... He's just basically trying to keep it together. Internally he, screaming, probably. Yeah, he, he can't, like... And then when it goes back to his eyes after he finally, like, recollects himself and he, and he like, grabs a glass of water, turns off the faucet, and then it shows his eyes and you can clearly see he's been crying just... Mm-hmm just by looking at his face and just like how, how he's trying his best to put up a brave front for Emma, but he just can't do it. And then, uh, once again, after that, when, when they finally convince him that they, they're going to help him survive, like you see him break down again and kind of look like he's, he's almost about to cry. Yeah. When he realizes that he doesn't have to die. Yeah. I, which a really brilliant plan actually from Emma, like it's, it's so ridiculous and something that you would never think to do. But at the same time, it's just a plan that actually works. Like, because Ray is doing his best to basically convey to him, it's like, no, you don't have to die. You can still escape. They're not going to send us. They're not going to send us out. We can work through it. Basically, trying to rationally convince him, which Norman's beyond that point. And Emma basically is basically serving as the light in the darkness that she is. It's like we can just break Ray's leg. Oh my god! I thought that Ray was just gonna. Like, just smash his leg or something. Oh, God. In that scene, like, it's preemptively Yeah, because because he said, let's get cracking. I'm like, oh, God, no, don't. And and I could see him doing that. Yeah. uh, To to make it so so nobody was else in that situation. Like, I could see him easily just smacking his leg with, like, a big rock or something. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And he says something to Norman, I still have a trump card to outwit Mama. I don't know if that was a lie from him or if there's something that we... or if there's one card on the table that he still hasn't revealed yet. I, I um, think he does, probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Ray. Ray, which you find out more about Ray this episode. Quite possibly the most fucked up thing about his character and why he is the way he is. He's known about the secrets of the house since the very beginning. It's just, yeah, okay. I didn't really, I didn't do any research to see if his what he said was real. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about like how some infants don't forget any of their memories yeah i mean i've heard of the term infantile amnesia before and i've heard that i've i've heard that there is a slight possibility that it's that infantile amnesia may not affect anybody and that might be people who have genius level iqs i don't know the entirety of that and i'm pretty sure and like you said i haven't done any personal research in it myself you guys know anything leave a comment it sounds plausible it, it definitely sounds plausible and really messed up if that's the case because because he basically imagined, he reveals to them, it's like, yeah, I know it's beyond the gate, just from my memories as a child. It isn't freedom. It's headquarters. Yeah. It's, I imagine it's like a... Um, it's almost like a pentagon, I imagine. Exactly, yeah. With yeah. just, just different plants. Because around. there are five different plants, and they even said he even said they divided us up into groups of five. Like he said, as he said, I remember these details only in fragments, but the details I do remember are incredibly vivid. Like he remembers being a baby, being divided into groups of five, and being taken to five different locations. Which they've got to be like pretty far apart. 
Mm-hmm. E- either far apart or there's some soundproofing being done. Yeah. Because you wouldn't... Like, if they heard kids coming from the forest, sounds of kids coming from the forest, they'd be suspicious, obviously. Well, I mean, I imagine there'd have to be. And given the revelation at the end of this episode, just when you think things couldn't get any shittier... Oh, man, that scene was done so well. Yeah, exactly. Just the, just seeing Norman climb up, he just sits there, and then you just see him smile. Just... And then you find... And I was I was worried for a second, because I was... Because they, they were... Because Ray said something to the effect of, don't worry, everything will go as planned. I have the following question. When does anything go as planned <laughs> in this show? Yeah. It, it never has so far. Yeah, the the music, or the the scene where he like starts running away was super intense because like the music kicks up and then yeah. you see diff- everyone's different reactions. Yeah, just hoping it's like just just make it. I know you can. And, and then Mama looking at her radar for and like then, a few seconds, and, and then and, you thinking, and I was thinking, it was like, oh god, she's gonna smile, isn't she? She's gonna smile. Yeah. And then of course, and then I was, and then as soon as she smiled, I'm like, well, there we yeah. go. It's like that's what I was expecting. Uh, she probably saw the um. What's his, Norman's signal heading heading back? Yeah, when she started smiling, probably. Yeah, and then Nor and then Ray basically confronts Norman. It's like, why didn't you run away, you moron? You still have time. But then Norman kind of just dusts himself off, straightens his collar, walks to the other side of the room. Again, this show has a really big deal, like makes a really big deal of like spending a lot of time building an uncomfortable atmosphere mm. by showing somebody slowly walk across the room. Yeah, they're not afraid to use silence. Yeah, below. before he before he finally turns around and said, there's a cliff. That is the moment when you're like, well, <coughs> shit, how the fuck do you get out of this situation? It's like, because not only is there this big-ass wall, which we figured out that Norman can clear it, but on the other side of that wall... There's a fucking, just a huge, steep drop. Yeah, like a chasm of question mark distance. Looked really far. Yeah, like... like my only thought would be, like, uh, somehow get a zip line of some kind. With, but with what, is the question. I, I, uh, yeah, like, throw a rope really far or something. Yeah, but which, they're all 12... They're they're 12-year-olds max. No 12-year-old yeah. is gonna have that much of a fucking shot put arm. Yeah, and, and, and then even then, even if they did get something apart, they have, like, five, four or five-year-old kids... Then yeah. they'd have to cross it. <laughs> yeah, and, and then also on top of that, the small little baby there yeah. have, that somebody's going to have to carry over while, like, climbing across this like, road. No, we're not going to be able to do this. Like, just, just drop it. Just, yeah. just drop the baby in the hole. Oh, God. It's like Sophie's choice. Bye. <laughs> just bye. I forget your name, Sorry. little baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so I'm definitely very interested to see how they're going to figure out it's probably going to be Ray's last trump card. Yeah. Is the thing that's going to get him there. Yeah. The, uh... If they even get there! I, like, I imagine that they're, that they're, ha- that this season is probably going to end with the, uh, with them escaping. That's where our, that's where a good friend of ours has said that that's probably the likelihood of where this season is going to end. Which, god damn, they better make a second season of this show. Yeah, and I'm sure soon. they will. Now, quintessential quintuplets. School camping trip! Yeah, uh, boy, Miku is just the master of absolutely cucking herself. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, right? Just, uh, because she go, because Ichigo's all like, oh, I don't have time to, uh, I don't have time to study with you guys today. I have a photo shoot that I need to do. Now, Miku, do you think you could go in my place? (laughs) Yeah, it, I feel like she, I mean, I don't know, she could handle it better, but, uh, 
she's not exactly socially adept. In the yeah, first she's place pretty out. socially inept. Yeah, I'm surprised she. Well, I guess she probably normally doesn't have to deal with that. Yeah, with guys confessing to her because, like, because Ichika is, as she even acknowledges, Ichika is someone who's probably really popular. Has probably had to deal with this kind of stuff like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Miku is definitely a lot more reserved and stuff, so probably doesn't have people approaching her just because that's the kind of air she gives off. Like, nobody's ever really confessed to her. She doesn't really have confidence for that, so... Well, okay, so I was surprised by uh, the guy who asked her out, or asked yeah. Ichika or whatever. Like, because he, in the end, wasn't a super asshole guy. Because mm-hmm. like, in the end, he was like, well, fine. And, and also, I'll tell you the reason why I like people, or why I ask people out. Yeah, and then, he, and then he just let it go. Like I feel like most characters, most stereotypical characters in the situation would like try to make a big scene about it or whatever. Yeah, which he did at first. It like, made a little bit of a stink, but he, he let it go. Eventually, he's like, oh, "Fine, I'm not happy about." He, 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 yeah, what my point is, he's better than like the stereotypical like jerk face, make jerk yeah. face characters. <laughs> the other, the other big thing about this episode is it's the obligatory fan service episode. Oh yeah, yeah, the hot yeah, so, springs episode. Uh, I, I was talking to you about this earlier, but they earn their fan service. So I yeah, think. they have plenty of interesting characters, a, a an interesting to follow story, like lots of funny bits. You, uh, as long as you don't force fan service in all the time, and you have an interesting story with interesting characters, mm-hmm. you're you can you can have some fan service. Yeah, like it's like okay, you know, I've kind of rolled I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at this. I'm like, okay, you know what? This series has never really gone too overboard with, with fan service, so I'll give it a pass here, which fine i mean i was fine with it. yeah i it was, i was fine with it indeed <laughs> like it I, must be easy uh from a uh, like a drawing perspective because you just have to draw five of the same bodies yeah exactly <laughs> like like they're basically just five of the same characters but as we pointed out it, the only difficult part would just be trying to remember okay which character had which hairstyle like and and even like the uh like, Miku doesn't part her hair that way. That's why this is wrong. Stuff like that. The, um... It was funny seeing how, like, childishly excited uh, Uesugi was about traveling. Because he's like, I've never been outside my house since I was a kid, or outside of my town. Yeah, because or... he's been so... Because he's so damn poor, he's probably never <laughs> been to travel. The, uh... <laughs> let alone travel in a limo. Yeah, like a freaking private car. Like, because, again, as if you... As if the show didn't need to remind you enough... These girls are loaded. <laughs> like, they are freaking loaded. I mean, Uesugi's probably getting quite a... I, I don't remember what the numbers was, but he's making uh, quite a bit of money. It's 50,000 yen per day he helps them tutor, I think, because it's 10,000 a girl. So... Like it might have been per week. I don't uh, know. I don't 50, know. 50,000 yen would be $500, I think. Yeah. Which, I mean, because... Ish. Yeah, that's... It's still... That's a lot of money. Yeah. Per, but I don't think it's per day. To be fair, his to be fair, these every day that he tutors them, which I don't think is literal. Oh every yeah, day. Well, I don't know. Anyway, I think yeah. it's I think it's kind of hilarious just how like he's got his work cut out for him because either these are five of the dumbest girls on the planet. So we got uh, Ichika or Itsuki thinking that Ichika kissed him. Uh, yeah, or well, one of the girls because she couldn't tell. Because, like, the sunlight was kind of affecting her vision, and she couldn't... I thought she thought it was Ichika. No, she didn't think it was Ichika. She just thought it was one of us. Mm. She didn't think it was exactly Ichika, so she's uh, confused on who it was, because they all sleep about the same, like, they wear the same kind of pajamas, or they all wear, wore, like, the same kind of pajamas and stuff like that. I think that one of the funniest bits in this episode was, it's like, okay, 
So who's going to sleep next to him? Because he's a boy after all. <laughs> and they're getting... You know, making a big stink about it. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, we need to make it all fair. We'll all sleep next to him. Because it's like that way, that way it's, it, we're all even. Even though it didn't matter in the end. Because, yeah, because Ichika, because Ichika just looked down on her, looked down on his sleeping face. Oh, I'm saying how, like, everybody ended up in random places. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, you know, you could always just place him, like, somewhere in the middle, and so you could all surround him, but that's about, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. We get to see, like, just how much of, uh, how much Itsuki, as much as she tries to pretend she doesn't, actually cares about Uesugi, or at least wants him to take part in something he clearly wanted to take part in, even if he pretended like he didn't. Because when they found out that he wasn't going to be at the bus, she personally went over and said, come on, we're taking you in our yeah, car. Yeah, that was a nice, wholesome little moment. Yeah. And of course his dad and sister are like, okay, bye. Yeah, just bye. <laughs> take and him so- with you. Yeah, also, we didn't have to deal with Raiha's annoying haircut this time because her hair was actually down for a change. She was sick with one of those intense Japanese colds. Yeah, we've seen that a few times in the past couple of weeks. Japanese colds, they really take you <laughs> out, man. <laughs> so next up is uh, The Rising of the Shield Hero. It definitely like went back up in quality this week, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, with a little bit of a minor gripe that I'll put there... Um, I think that it's a little bit annoying that Raftalia can still fight. Yeah, there definitely isn't, like, much uh, consequences. Yeah, you see see what I meant from the last week. Yeah, I I figured it was going to be more. Yeah, like... like, going to be bedridden or something, but instead she's just like... She's still... Ow, it slightly hurts. Yeah, I was (laughs) expecting her to be in, like, quite a bit of pain, which maybe since this is a first-time deal, maybe they're going to build it up later, because I don't imagine this is the last time we've seen, like, the Curse series. Yeah, it's for sure going to show up again. Yeah, I imagine that's going to be a thing that shows up on multiple occasions. But we we meet, uh... I should have known this, just judging from the episode title, it was Melty. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, okay, that's a really weird-sounding episode. But then I, after watching the intro, and after she, after she said her name, I was like, wait a second... She's mine sister. Like, I could kind of tell because, like, in the intro you see, like, her, you see Melty, like, somebody, like, a girl with blue hair, who we confirm is Melty, standing next to the queen in the intro of the, mm. in the intro of the opening. I'm just like, and then I remember that. foreshadowing. Yeah, and then I remember remembering that, uh, that mine's real name is Malty, and I'm like, oh, I get it now. They're related. Melty and Malty. <laughs> yeah. Their, their parents are super creative with their names. I think the the biggest thing with this episode was Montiyasu once again just proves what a oh fucking God. prick he is. He's so stupid. I, I I hate him. And also like he's really full of himself. Yeah, he like, really oh, this is. Girl, you're you're obviously kidnapping this girl and girls can only like me like he has that kind of personality. Yeah, and like how easy but I like how he got kind of cut down to size this episode when uh like because because now Fumi the whole time is just trying to say, no, stop fighting. We're in a public place. This is stupid. Um, basically trying to get him to stop fighting. It's, and then uh, and then even after, like, uh, after, like, Melty shows up and says, no, you're not allowed to fight here. This is a public place. If, like, this isn't a proper place to have a duel. Look, just look around you and you see, like, people actually calling out the spear hero. Like, saying, like, mm-hmm. how what he was doing was reckless and stupid. Yeah, which is probably good for Nafumi's reputation. Yeah. He was the one trying to not fight. Exactly. <laughs> on he, crowded street. Yeah, he, he realized, 
And because, and it was in the middle of a trading, it was in the middle of a trading street. Like you mm-hmm. saw like a bunch of like stalls and stuff. So I imagine the, these were probably his type of people because. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know how many people in the, in like the higher up areas of the city mm. know about it. I think he's mostly known around like the boonies. Well, you, but you get what I'm saying. They're traders. He's also a trader. Yeah. He probably understands their plight and probably would probably wouldn't want to cause too much of an issue with them. Yeah. Like, because if he does that with, because granted that would already let, that would lessen his already terrible reputation, but he has a good reputation now with traders. So at least we got to see, uh, Motoyasu get kicked in the dick again. Yeah. (laughs) I love how he's wearing like a, like an armored plate. Yeah. On his dick. Yeah. And then, uh, even, like, when he sees, like, Philo show up and basically says, oh, you're so adorable. It's like, you're so adorable. You should come with me. Like, you don't have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry about the bad man, uh, and his fat bird. <laughs> but then she transforms into said fat bird and kicks him in the dick. He deserved it. Yeah, no, he absolutely, 100%, he deserved it. The, oh, I wouldn't say he deserves to die or anything. Simply because, uh, well, one, he, has, he hasn't one, done anything to deserve to die, and two... He's he stupid. Needs, he needs to be there, too. Like, unfortunately, the world needs him to kill monsters. Exactly. I mean, that's about all he's good for, though. The, uh, the, other, the other thing is, uh, we find out more about just how much the, uh, the church actually looks down on him. Except for the Pope. Yeah, the Pope seemed like a cool dude. Yeah, the Pope actually seemed like a pretty like understanding person because when at first it's like okay i need the highest purity holy water that you can get that you can give me so that i can uh, get rid of this curse they try to hand him some cheap ass holy water that is even real holy water i think and he's like no it was like it was like a sloppy quality yeah it's just like he's just like it's technically still holy water it's like the hell is this it's like really you're gonna charge me a gold piece which I assume I assume a gold is probably about uh, probably about a hundred silver pieces. I imagine because like they make a huge deal about how like a uh, about how a gold piece is worth a lot of money. Like and it depends if you're well by D and D logic it's ten. Yeah, by D and D logic it's ten, but they're making a bigger deal about it. Like he's made he's got no problem raising silver. It's he, a not it's a lot of money. That's it, all it is. <laughs> it, it is a lot of money, and so he manages to get like the. Uh, the Pope says to his ac- one of the acolytes, "No, give him high quality stuff. He deserves it," which I thought was really cool. the The last little bit of this episode was uh, Melty trying to recruit Nafumi and him just basically saying, "Fuck off." Yeah, I'm trying to understand Nafumi's uh, thoughts on this. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably based on back how like the pretty much the entire royalty just shat on him. Yeah, the, well, the royal, he's got no reason to trust the royalty at this point. They probably, like, in his in his mind, he's probably just protecting himself. The royalty all fucking suck. They've already said, they set me up in a terrible position in the first place. They're the ones responsible for this, so I have no rhyme or reason to actually trust any of them. Yeah, it's, it, it's like probably like the, the reward is not worth the risk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because... If nothing else, now Fumi is an incredibly calculating person because he kind of has to be at this point. That's what makes him such a good trader, though. But he probably will only do it if it's really worth his while. As he said, he's not worried. He's not against doing something as long as he gets paid the right price. Well, it's either it's either that or he's gonna have to have uh, Raftalia and Philo convince him to do it. 
Because they, they were able to convince him to take her back to mm-hmm. the kingdom before he knew who she was, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it's probably definitely going to be like a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of situation. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine it has to be. And maybe here in the next few episodes we'll meet the mysterious queen finally. Like, I, which is interesting that the, uh, that the queen and the king live in different parts of the kingdom. Do they? Yeah, they do. Because mm-hmm. remember a few episodes ago when we see the queen, like, uh, talking to that weird assassin person, like, and they were in, like, some weird, like, steampunkish kingdom, and then they were, and then, like, it cuts back to the, to where the story is taking place, and it's, like, the... I thought it was mine talking to the assassins. No, it was, it was the queen. Mm. Because mine, a.k.a. Malty, was in the other part of the kingdom, which she was denied permission to actually be the true successor to the throne just because she's such a bitch, pretty much. That's pretty much the reason why the, why the, why the queen said, <coughs> nope, your younger sister, your younger sister is going to be the queen next. Yeah, that's, I can, that sounds frustrating, but I maybe don't be a bitch. Yeah, don't be a bitch, and you're probably going to be the, end up being the queen someday. Then you can be as bitchy as you want, assuming your citizens don't revolt and cut off your head with a guillotine. Yeah, or she can just die. That'll be fine. Yeah, I'd be okay with her dying. Like, I'm okay with Motoyasu not dying because he's just an idiot, but mine dying, I, I wouldn't even care. She's like, she's comically evil at this point. Yeah. Last on our list, Run With The Wind. Presenting quite possibly the hardest episode of this series to watch. Yeah. Uh, it, it was th- this was painful. Yeah, just watching Shindo run up that hill, and it it, it was well watching him run up the hill wasn't uh, as painful as watching everybody else's reactions to him walking up, running up the hill. Yeah, how like we actually see Kakaru start to get teary eyed because he's just so like kind of just overwhelmed with just how how determined Shindo is to try and finish it, like and also. Probably the fact that he's just worried about his teammate. There's no way in hell he'd actually be able to do this. Yeah, the it was it was really hard watching the like the contrast between you see the crowd like cheering him on like yeah yeah, and then it's it like, cuts you can to, do this. Then it cuts to his family and they're like breaking down crying, or his mom is at least. Yeah, He's watching him like almost die on his feet. Yeah, and which I thought he. Uh, I didn't think he died, but I thought he collapsed. Collapsed, and then the race was over. But yeah, but then he gets back up, and his um uh, his coach tries to tell him it's like it's like just it's like no, I'm taking you out of here. He tries to actually get the sash off him, and he pushes it away, and then just starts. Oh no, no, that was a that was a scene before what I'm mm. talking about because uh, mm. he collapses, and then it cuts away, and then later it cuts into him running to the finish line. Oh yeah, that's right. And multiple times it's revealed the coach tries to shop, stop him. It's like raise your hand if you. It's like, just raise your hand if you can't run anymore and I'll pull you out of the race. Which I definitely understand why he doesn't want to. There's, like, if he doesn't finish, then he essentially is ruining everyone else's chances to to race. Like, no one else the next day even gets to run if he -hmm. he doesn't make it to the finish line. Yeah, it's solely riding on him. And I can't, I can't believe how, like, much... How much freaking endurance, stamina, willpower he actually had to finish the race? Like, because it was, what, each section is 20 kilometers? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's 20, and Jesus Christ, like, the fact that he did that with, like, a severe fever, was collapsing on multiple occasions. Uphill. Yeah. Well, which, that's that's even more fucked, because they put him on the uphill section because he's, like, the best person to run uphill. Yeah. But the... 
Now the fact that he, it, it would have been probably easier for him to run if it was flat ground. Mm-hmm. Like, he probably wouldn't have been as wrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the fact that he has to, yeah, run uphill yeah, uh, the whole time. And they did a really good job from his perspective showing how absolutely exhausted he was. Mm-hmm. How they, like, muted out a lot of the sound or, or yeah, dampened and, it like, like he was underwater. Yeah, and his eyes would, like, his vision would kind of, like, focus in and out, stuff like that. That was all really, that was all really clever directing decisions. The uh, And then finally when everybody, when he just basically... When he finally finishes the race, he finished in last place. Shock of all shocks. I'm just surprised he even finished. Yeah, no, I am too. Like, and everybody was cheering at the fact that he did finish. Because, because again, that couldn't have been easy. And I imagine it must have been absolutely excruciating to have yeah, to do that. Yeah, and the, the race caster even said, like, he'll be known for years as the man with the most courage to run this race. Exactly. I, I thought that was super cool. And I'm pretty sure that he's only a freshman, so he'll definitely have a chance to run again. He's either a freshman or a sophomore. One of those two. Um, going back to Joji. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, we, we learned that he does indeed like Hana. Because mm-hmm. um, when, when uh, the coach like yelled to him, it was like, well, Kakuru says if you like her, then run. Yeah. Yeah. I Because... Because I, I forgot, like I'd almost forgotten, like that was a part <laughs> yeah. of the that was a part of the episode. Yeah, the Shudo part definitely like stole the stole the part of the stole the episode. Yeah, exactly, because that completely overshadowed like everything else that had happened. But this was also a really good yeah. part. Uh, Joji like had his head up his ass pretty much while he was running for like which the- yeah, it, it, what happened is exactly what we thought would happen. It's, he was so distracted from the race. Yeah, I was thinking to myself slightly, like, uh, okay, like, we'd actually also acknowledge this possibility. Maybe it's like, oh, Jota likes Hana, that's, it's like, I'm actually going to run to support him. That could have been one way they went. And we were thinking, it's like, well, he could also just get incredibly distracted, which, it was that option, and yeah. not the, oh, I'm gonna run to support my brother, and stuff like that. I was kind of, I was a little disappointed by that scene, because we did, we got a lot of introspective into Jota and the only really introspective we got to Joji was his feelings for Hana. Yeah. Like, I would have liked... Maybe it would have been, like... It, it was. It probably would have been different. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Joji's as adamant about, like, splitting apart from his brother. Yeah. I think it's more of a Jota thing. I mean, because he's the... I mean, he's the younger brother. He's somebody that had always followed his older brother. Like, and Jota, being the older brother, realizes that's something that's gonna have to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Like... They can't be the same person forever. Like, he just knows that. And Joji is probably blissfully, un- either blissfully unaware of that fact or is just, uh, or is running away from it or doesn't even want to acknowledge it. Yeah, but the the scene after that, when he just, like, breaks down, re- once he realizes that he was slow because he was distracted and that costed Shindo to to even have to run harder. Yeah. It was just so hard to watch just... Joji because yeah, because crying. he like he touched his hand and he realized, oh god, he is freaking hot. Like it's like that is absolute. It's like yeah, his, his temperature is higher than mine, and I've been running the whole time. Yeah, which Jesus Christ, could you? I could, could imagine even being able to detect that after running like twenty kilometers. Like that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, just goes to say how high his body temperature was. Yeah, the. Uh, and the last little bit of this episode that I thought was worth talking about was the was the confession from Shindo. Basically, him like everybody basically totally not FaceTiming him, like basically 
them, him saying, I'm sorry, everybody, I kind of let you all down. And then Haiji, like, with his, one of his bet, one of his great speeches, it's like, we'll, it's like, it's not a big deal. You were able to finish, and we'll just, it just means that we'll have to try even harder tomorrow. Like, and then even ending on the, uh, the cheer, the mountains of Akone yeah. are the high, <laughs> the steepest in the world. That was, that was a good way to end this particular episode. Well, last time it ended, it, uh, it ended with, like, Yuki, like, sitting up in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. And then it just, like, cut off. Oh, yeah. Makes Which, me... Yuki's part is, uh, gonna be next episode, probably. Yeah, Yuki's part, like, maybe we'll get some introspective into why he's yeah. so distant with his parents. Uh, I also really liked, um, the, the scene where they're riding on the train, or bus, I think it was a train, mm. when they're riding back to wherever they're sleeping Haiji was starting to like second guess himself like maybe I shouldn't have forced y'all guys all into this mm-hmm. like what was even the point and then uh Kakuri reassuring him that like, even if you force us to do this I still thank you for it oh yeah that's right and it uh it kind of relit Haiji's motivation there that was really cool to watch yeah I, this this series continues to be freaking amazing I cannot I'm I cannot wait to see the conclusion, but I'm also kind of sad to yeah, see the conclusion. It's, it's been such a fun experience and such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, th- th- it's one of the better sports anime I've seen in a long time. That's say ever. Yeah, I I don't know about ever. I haven't really seen that many sports anime. Well, then ever. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> that's you know what? That's totally fair. Anyway, so that's gonna do it for this week of the Time Sick Anime Podcast. Yep. Uh... So if you if you have anything uh, that you'd like to talk about the stuff we've watched on this week, uh, go ahead and let us know. Remember to remember to like the video, subscribe if you want to hear for more from us, and ding the bell. Go to our PayPal, donate a thousand dollars. Subscribe to our Twitch channel. We we don't have um, go uh, pay our GoFundMe. <laughs> go pay for the ele- the elephant we're sponsoring in Africa. <laughs> Yeah, not, I, 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 I can't follow this bit anymore. I'm out of <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a... Uh, we don't really have much more of that. Just, uh, if you like us, just subscribe. Keep, and we'll keep you guys posted. This is a lot of fun to do. I hope you guys are having as much fun with this season as we are. Until then, see, Way Anchor, take care of yourselves. See you guys next week for uh, week 11. Week 11. Bye. Two more weeks after that, baby. Bye.